Hello and welcome to the Highland Colony Men's Roundtable podcast. Today is Thursday, July the 23rd, 2020. We'll start off the podcast with a song from Rhett Walker, Like Your Father Does. my life from the sound of your first cry you made us a family and i ain't ever gonna leave felt it then i feel it now through every single up and down so when the world says you're nothing oh let me tell you something
like your father does. Nobody loves you like your father does. Uh, hopefully we can say that about our earthly fathers, but certainly we can say that about our heavenly father. Be on the alert. Stand firm in your faith. Act like men. Be strong. Words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. We uh, continue uh, in our uh, series, Into the Wilderness. Uh, glad you have joined us um, this morning. Follow with me as we uh, read our opening paragraph, and I hope you've printed out your notes that uh, Chris Kelly continues to faithfully uh, put together for us. Into the Wilderness, Understanding and Embracing the Dark Times of Your Life. Words translated as wilderness occur nearly 300 times in the Bible. Wilderness seasons are brutal, but God is powerfully at work in the wilderness seasons of our lives. The only question is, do we have eyes to see it? In order for God to give us the choice whether or not to trust him, he must present us with a moment of crisis. And since he wants us to seek help from him, he brings us through the wilderness to remove all other help first. When we're in a wilderness season, like we are now, it's easy to lose sight of God's protection, provision, and preparation. We might even wonder, how can I trust God's goodness when I'm in this desolate place? But remember Jesus. He went through the ultimate wilderness, the desolation and humiliation of dying under the curse of God, if that is the measure of God's love and commitment to us, we can trust him in our own wilderness seasons. Let's journey together. Let's continue uh, our journey. So this morning, what we want to uh, look at is a portion of scripture uh, that we would entitle, We Must Talk About Our Faith. God has given us a talking faith, a confessional faith. We confess with our mouth. We talk about it um, as we go. Uh, this passage in, in Deuteronomy awakens us to the responsibility to teach uh, our children. Uh, as I said earlier, this could in many ways be a Father's Day uh, message. So let's go to work intentionally and deliberately. Uh, let's engage. So I have three questions for you. So pick up your pen and engage with me very deliberately. Journaling is what we do. Journal this. First question. What do you remember most about what your father taught you about being a man? So think about that for a minute. What do you remember most about what your father taught you about being a man? What did your dad teach you? What did he teach you? What words, phrases come to your mind? Jot it down. What did he teach you? Many of you know my dad's 92 years old, and um, I'm so grateful for uh, three things come to my mind when, when I think of Papaw, as we call him. Very faithful, 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 faithful. Uh, get up, go to work. Uh, and so uh, with that faithfulness, he taught me uh, a good work ethic. Um, I knew that you know, when the day starts, you go to work. That's what my dad modeled for me so wonderfully. And then I, then I would say he was so kind and um, loving toward my mother. I saw that. And uh, they were married for 65 years until Mamaw reached down to get a cast iron skillet from the bottom of the stove to cook dinner. 
and she had a brain aneurysm and she was gone. Uh, but he loved her dearly. What do you remember about your dad? Secondly, second question that I'd invite you to respond to is what are you most proud of as a father? Uh, most of us are fathers. Many uh, are grandfathers. Um, what are you most proud of as a father? Uh, what comes to your mind? Even, you know, what would you imagine your kids saying about you? When I thought about that question in my own life, I, the, the thing that came to my mind, uh, and obviously, you know, we could all probably answer it differently every two hours. <laughs> if you asked me that question, I'd have a different answer this afternoon. But when I thought about that question even this morning, I thought, you know, what I'm most proud of is for not quitting. Uh, there's a part of me that wants to quit every day, <laughs> even now. I mean, I, I think about it. I'm not going to quit, uh, but it's this nasty gnat at the picnic uh, that gets in my head and, and, and always invites me to quit. And, um, you know, my story, uh, I came close to quitting at one time in my life, and uh, I'm so so glad that I didn't mess that up. So not quitting. The other thing that I would like to think that I've done reasonably well is model walking with Jesus to my girls. I mean, they love the Lord, um, and um, I, I'm glad uh, that they do. And even uh, journaling. My girls are big journalers, and I'm, and I'm proud uh, that I taught them to journal when they were in second and third grade. And uh, some of the cutest thing, greatest journaling I've ever seen was by second and third graders, um, uh, my own uh, daughter's life. So those things. Um, and then finally, who do you know that's in the wilderness now? Moi. Moi. <laughs> you and me. We all are um, in a certain sense. And, uh, you know, I was in a, uh, we had a BPO board meeting yesterday, and we were talking about how we're all being affected by this. And of course, you know, uh, the big question um, that I keep asking everybody that I sit with is, do you know anybody that's sick? And so far, uh, the sickness is a little bit removed from me, and I'm glad of that. I don't really know anybody that is firsthand sick, but I know as many guys as are tuned in and you're sitting there, you do know people who are sick, maybe even uh, family members. So we're all in this wilderness, and uh, we're trying to uh, walk through it and uh, hopefully continuing to listen to the voice of, of God through it. So... Let's journey together uh, this morning. Um, we must talk about our faith. So turn over to Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, and there's no way that we could journey through the um, um, wilderness with the children of Israel and be into Deuteronomy and not go through this passage. I mean, this is a key passage um, in Moses' sermon. And again, this is uh, uh, Moses took about six to seven days, it's estimated, to give the sermons in Deuteronomy. Some people call it the one sermon of Deuteronomy. It's, it's typically seen as four major sermons. Um, and this is in uh, uh, chapter six that we're reading, this is 
often uh, referred to as in the context of sermon number two. So follow with me, Deuteronomy chapter six, uh, the first nine verses. This is the commandment, the rules and regulations that God, your God, commanded me to teach you to live out in the land you're about to cross in, into to possess. This is so that you'll live in deep reverence before God lifelong, observing all his rules and regulations that I'm commanding you, you and your children and your grandchildren living good lives. Already uh, beginning to, uh, to have this family uh, sound to it, creating a family. And then verse three, listen obediently, Israel. Listen. And we often say that if there was one word that would sum up walking with God, it would be listen. And it comes out, that idea comes out especially anchored in this passage. Do what you're told so that, the, so that you'll have uh, that, that you'll have a good life, a life of abundance and bounty, just as God promised in a land abounding in milk and honey. Then in verse 4, this is very important, verse 4 and 5 is known as the Shema. And the Shema, uh, the word Shema means to listen. And this is like the national pledge of allegiance for Israel. This is a very critical passage, verse 4 and 5, in the nation and history of Israel, again, known as the Shema. Listen to this, verse 4. Attention, Israel. In your study Bible, it just simply says, hear, hear, O Israel. In other words, listen. And then, um, God, our God, God, the one and only. In your study Bible, it reads, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And then uh, verse 5, love God, your God, with your whole heart. Love him with all that's in you. Love him with all you've got. And in your study Bible, it reads, and you shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Sound familiar? It, it ought to sound familiar. It's very much repeated in the New Testament over and over. And then, then verses 6 through 9, I love this passage. Write these commandments that I've given you today. In other words, journal, <laughs> journal, 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 journal. On your hearts, get them inside of you, and then get them inside your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Tie them on your hands and foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on the doorposts of your homes and on your city gates. Wow, what a picture. Now, again, um, you could take this so literal that you would have these little boxes, and some very conservative Jews actually do that. They have little boxes uh, attached to their forehead uh, because they are such literalists. Uh, but, you know, that doesn't seem to even be the intent here, not to take it so literal that you have little boxes on your forehead. The idea um, is to get it inside uh, your heart and that we would teach it to our children 
as we go, not just in a formal class. I mean, have you ever tried to get your family together when, when, when you had little ones, when I had little ones, and uh, trying to get them rounded up and to sit still for 15 minutes so we could really talk about God? I mean, you know, some people call that family devotions, and, you know, I never had good experience with family devotions. It was just, it was chaos. But if we made a game out of it, if we're in the car going someplace, you know, we're walking in the woods, we're sitting around a campfire. Yeah, a couple times I got my girls around a campfire. Not not very often, but it but it did happen a couple times. Um, that's when we could talk about God. Um, so so this morning, I want to just um, invite you uh, to consider this. What is your legacy? What do you want to be remembered for? And in order to have a legacy, I believe that we are all intended to be teachers. Uh, Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you disciples. The word disciple means learner. So as we are learning, uh, we turn around and teach that which we have learned. We're disciples and disciplers. And in order to do that, we always have to have a relationship. And so if you want a legacy, then tell me what you're teaching, what you believe in, and what you're passing on to the next generation. And then I want to know how close a bond do you have? Because if it's not relational, then the teaching uh, will not be internalized or stick. Because all healing and all of life is relational. So there needs to be a bond. So in this passage, Moses invites creating a legacy. And he does it by establishing the Shema. Uh, S-H-E-M-A. Um, and verse 4 and 5 is uh, is the equivalent of the Lord's Prayer, our Father we, who art in heaven. That uh, passage in Deuteronomy was the Lord's Prayer, if you will. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. And that is uh, the um, pr that was the prayer practice uh, for, for every morning and every evening for the Jews. Every morning and every evening, they uh, prayed this prayer. It is the equivalent of the Jewish Pledge of Allegiance um, and a hymn of praise. I mean, what if we stood up in our classrooms and we repeated Deuteronomy 4 and 5 uh, as opposed to the, even the Pledge of Allegiance uh, to our country? We don't even, we don't even do that. Uh, much less do Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. But the, but the idea of listen is more than just uh, allowing sound waves to enter your ears. The idea of listen here um, is the idea of doing. To hear in a Jewish mindset was to do. So the implication is, as you're hearing God's word, do God's word. 
and in John chapter 14, 21, Jesus, um, as we said last week, he quoted Deuteronomy more than any other book. And John 14, 21 says, the one who has my commands and keeps them, that's the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and I will reveal myself to him. Much of the same words as this passage in Deuteronomy. First John chapter four nineteen says, we love because he first loved us. The idea of leaving a legacy is the idea that we are listening to and obedient to the words of God. Moses calls for God's words to be on the heart of each Israelite in that they may be considered and discussed daily as a part of ordinary family life, talking about God's word. Given this context, his commands to bind these words to our bodies and to write them on, on our homes or to ensure that God's people never forget his word, we're internalizing it. Um, is that part of your home? Has that been part of your home? Uh, that's a challenge. And... It's a responsibility. It's a responsibility that we all have to teach our children the truth of God's word. It's a sacred, holy responsibility. But I'm telling you guys, it needs to be creative because if it's done in a rigid way, I mean, in many ways, I can do even more damage than good. You can turn your kids off. But that's why it's so important to do it as you go you don't sit them down and say here you know listen up but as you go you point things out now um i want to honor my good friend uh john hope john come here i want everybody to see you uh, uh now john just got a fresh haircut I, I i wish you could have seen him when i saw him on monday but he just got a fresh haircut so he looks like a marine from here up from here down not so much but this is my good friend, John Hope, and, and, um, and uh, uh, John is an elder at our church, Eastern Shore Presbyterian Church. And um, if, if I had another mic, but, but John would pretty much have to kiss me in order to speak into that, and I'm not going to let that happen. But um, John has uh, five kids, and uh, they just got back from a 13-day trip, uh, wilderness camping, primitive camping for the most part, um, through South Dakota, Southwest Colorado, all out West. They took 13 days. And uh, John was telling me about it on Monday, and I was envious. I wish I was a son or even a daughter. I'd be a daughter of John's, uh, uh, for that matter, just so I could go on the trip. Well, I got my Jackson Hole shirt. My, my <laughs> barbecue Jackson Hole. I love it. I love it. Thank you, John. Uh, but what John practiced with his kids sitting around the fire, and he showed me some pictures and all that, uh, I think in many ways it's exactly the application and he uh, of what we're talking about this morning. And uh, the um, uh, he and Sarah are homeschoolers and they do a great job with their kids. But he modeled, um, you know, a two-week uh, adventure trip. 
I mean, he didn't send his kids to camp. He created summer camp, which was so cool. And uh, uh, I think it's exactly what Moses is telling us to do. And no doubt that a legacy um, is being created um, in John's family. Moses was instructing the children of Israel. Moses was giving them the words to live by. And we need men, models in our life that will inspire us uh, to, to greatness. And all throughout this series, you know, we've been using Major Dick Winters and uh, uh, Easy Company and the Band of Brothers and all that as kind of our case study. I'm going to show you just a brief clip um, of a portion um, of uh, a um, honoring ceremony uh, of Major Dick Winters. I want you to hear once again what these men say about Major Dick Winters. Watch this. This project has been two and a half years in the making and has the blessing of the late Richard D. Winters. It has his approval because this statue we are about to unveil while utilizing his likeness and a quote from him represents all those who led the way on D-Day. It does not represent just a man, but many men. It does not represent just one individual company, but rather many companies, regiments, and battalions. The Richard Winters Leadership Monument does not recognize just one specific division as well, but rather all the American Army divisions who fought on the beaches and in the hedgerows and villages of Normandy on June 6th of 1944. You know, 68 years ago today here in Normandy, the Allied Expeditionary Forces landed on a beach not far from here and were airdropped all around this area. And what those forces needed that day were a courageous audacity. And that is exactly what Richard Winters instilled in them. And frankly, anything less would have been lethally insufficient. The man depicted on this monument is today one of the best known leaders of World War II, thanks in part to the power of words and of film. He didn't lobby for the role, it was just handed to him. Richard Winters handled his newfound recognition later in his life the way he led his men in combat in Normandy and other areas of Europe. With dignity, compassion, and strength of body, mind, and character. His story does not need to be repeated today, we all know it. We know why this place is special and why this monument is here and this particular soldier sits atop it. You have to have the confidence in the person that's leading. You have to trust the person that's leading. You have to feel that that person's interested in your own welfare. And these, uh, these were all exemplified by Dick Winters, I think. And, to, uh, and he, uh, he had our respect. Phil, you need to unmute. There you go. I got you. All right. All right. So many wonderful things said about Dick Winters. Um, I would hope that our children would be saying those things about us. So many character qualities. Um, the last phrase that the um, uh, guy that served under Dick Winters uh, shared was, we all had respect for him. We all had respect. May our children say that about us because we really did model something very special. Now, what would you want to teach what do you want to teach? What should a father teach his son? I want to give you just seven things here just, just quickly. 
And maybe the evaluation uh, would be better, not so much what you're teaching your son, um, but how you're living these things out yourself. <laughs> I mean, maybe you need to learn these yourself. I mean, you can't teach them um, if you don't believe them yourself. And so the first thing that we would just say is that we need to teach, we need to believe that God really is the source of all of life. Uh, that we need to teach our sons and our daughters to trust in God for all his needs. We trust God. Do you use that phrase, we're going to trust God? Have you used, ever used that phrase? We're just going to, Daddy, Daddy, what are we going to do? We're going to trust God. It doesn't mean that you sit passively and just, you know, wait for something to drop out of the sky. But as you go, as you walk, as you figure it out, as you work hard, you're trusting God. He is our source. And then our potential, our children's potential is limitless. My third grade teacher, Mrs. Taylor, uh, said uh, to my mother in my presence, you know, Phil can be anything he wants to be. I remember my third grade teacher telling that uh, to my mother. Now, I found out later she told that to all the mothers, but, but that's beside the point. <laughs> but it's like, wow, you know, sweetheart, potential is limitless. But one of the things um, that we need to be teaching and need to be modeling is, is humility. And I truly believe that um, the greatest evidence of humility is that we're not afraid to ask for help teach our sons and our daughters, uh, even remind ourselves when we stand in front of the mirror. Um, if I need help, ask for it. That is an act of um, contrition and an act of humility. And then, praise God, there is freedom to fail. And may we model that. May we model that. I, I was listening to a great story on our American stories. Uh, Lee Habib, I love that. I listen to it when I'm walking. He tells the story. A, a guy was riding um, uh, his dad's big Harley motorcycle, and he was 14 years old, and his dad finally allowed him to take out the motorcycle for the first time. Um, and dad's riding the secondary motorcycle, and 14-year-old son on a gravel road is riding dad's big Harley. And the first time he takes it out, guess what happens? He gets into some loose gravel, and the 600-pound bike or whatever it is drops over. He looks up at his dad, expecting his dad just to go off on him. And his dad uh, just gives him a wink, and he says, you know, son, it happens to the best of us. I want to walk listening to this somewhere down around the pier in Fairhope, and I'm in tears. I, I've got tears running down my cheek because dad didn't yell at him, uh, but he just said, you know, it happens to the best of us. Freedom to fail. And then may we be teaching um, the need for correction. We all need input. And, and, and some of our greatest pain, guys, it's not so much what our dad said to us, uh, but what our dads never said. 
that there was never enough energy in the room for our dad to correct us. And, and part of what Scripture wonderfully teaches us is, is the idea that the son who is disciplined is the one who is loved. And we all want to be corrected. But when we correct, we need to do it in a loving, compassionate way, not a shaming way. Uh, a gentle way. Um, I love Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Um, it, it, as much as I know how to live that out, I try to live that out as best I know how. And Romans 2, verse 4 says this, but it is the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. And guys, if we want our sons or our daughters or, for that matter, our employees, uh, our uh, uh, people under our responsibility to change, uh, then the Bible tells us that kindness will get you farther uh, than yelling and shaming and guilting. It is the kindness of God that elicits desire to change. I mean, think about coaches that were tough on you. And I had some great uh, basketball coaches growing up, but the coaches that I really remember, they were firm but they would put their armor uh, around me, and they taught me as much about how to lose well uh, as they taught me how to win. There was kindness and compassion. Correction. And then this idea that I even alluded to in terms of what my own dad uh, modeled for me is working hard. God will bless his work as he honors God. Um, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. It doesn't mean that everything you uh, try um, is going to succeed. I mean, sometimes the best thing that can happen to us is we fail. <laughs> and, and that teaches us uh, to go a different direction or, or uh, gain some perseverance and resilience. And uh, Romans chapter 5 is very clear in terms of how character is built uh, through perseverance and uh, suffering. And God's not afraid to use suffering. We're in the midst of a, a pandemic and a wilderness experience that we're talking about, and he's building our character. But the idea that it, as we keep working, keep chopping wood, uh, as the saying goes, um, that God provides. Uh, I was just reading uh, out of uh, Psalm 37 uh, in my devotional uh, the last couple of days how um, – the, uh, the man that trusts God uh, will never be found wanting. Not in the short term, uh, because it, it can be painful, but in the long term. Keep walking with God. Uh, your work uh, will be deemed uh, profitable. Never stop working. And then, especially for, for those who are uh, fathers of sons, um, is to teach the beauty of women. Women are precious. Women are precious. Guys, I'm telling you, the disrespect for human life in general is a crisis in our culture. But certainly, the disrespect for women um, is, is tragic. I, I truly believe that the beauty of God uh, is uh, significantly anchored in the beauty of a woman. 
uh, even Adam, <laughs> when he saw Eve, he said, wow, man, wow, man, wow, man, woman, the beauty of a woman, not to be used, objectified and abused, uh, but to be honored, to be treated with respect. And, I, and we need to be teaching our sons that kind of respect for the beauty of God that is seen in a woman. So what are we teaching? These are the things that we need to be characterized by in our own lives as men, and this is what we're teaching as well. And then um, dad's a special bond. And I would, I'd anchor this idea of bond in especially with being uh, the father of two adult daughters. I love uh, uh, my two daughters, Audrey and Abigail. And I want my girls and I want our children to be their very best, to be their very best. And so in order to build a bond, I'm really trying to be in tune with them. What do they want? What is valuable to them? I, I want them to know that I'm here to help them grow and heal and learn and become the best, the best, the best version of themselves. And then um, I truly do want to be a model for them. I mean, our children, when they look at us, would, would we want our children to be like us? Do I want my daughters to marry somebody like me? Kinda. <laughs> I hope they marry somebody even better than me. But I certainly want to do everything that I can to model what a partner looks like. And that has everything to do with how I treat their mother. Um, I don't want uh, my girls to ever see me um, treating their mother harshly. Um, I think several weeks ago I told you about a, um, a couple that I'm working with, and, and I just called him out in the session, and he responded so well. Um, I said, dude, that's abuse, and called him out for abusing his wife. And um, this guy loves the Lord, but he never saw his behavior as abusive. But he, you know, as, as Scripture says, uh, reprove a wise man, and he blesses you, prove a fool and he curses you and this guy responded uh and and he has done great work to stop the abusive behavior of his wife modeling good love for our children toward our wives and then and then finally and and boy this is so tragic when i when i don't see this and that is to teach our children to value themselves. It is so critical, especially guys, that we teach our daughters to value themselves, to have respect for themselves. Um, and when I, when I see um, a female, a daughter that doesn't value themselves, then they are being abused. They're being used. They're, they're being objectified. They don't have enough value about themselves to say no uh, to some fool 
who is trying to take advantage of them. The, the ability to set boundaries, whether it be a son or a daughter, comes from a sense of personal value of yourself. Otherwise, you just merge into the other person. You know, it's like the old adage, like, I'll, I'll have what he's having. I'll do what he's doing in order to be accepted. And it takes a person that has a personal sense of value to be able to stand up and say no. Say no. So Moses invited the children of Israel uh, to have a legacy that they would teach God's word as they go all the time. And we've got to be aware of what we are trying to teach. I would suggest you write these down in your journal. Use it as an assessment uh, on a regular basis. How am I doing? Sit with your sons and daughters and ask them um, how you're doing on those seven uh, areas. And then make sure that you're building a strong bond with them, helping them to be their best, modeling the very best, and then helping them to value themselves. As you go, we've got to talk about our faith. Talk about your love for God. May you do that well, um, and uh, may you do it consistently. Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you again for our time this morning. Um, so grateful for your word. Thank you for the Shema that allows us to understand uh, the need to listen to you and to live out uh, our love for you. Help us to do that well even today. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. See you next week.